The following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church pulpit series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au. Okay, who's been enjoying the weather? It's been fantastic, hasn't it? It's been really nice English weather. It's been great. It's been lovely. Amen. Amen. Well, as you know, we've been in a series. Uh, an Easter series in the book of Leviticus, which we entitled To Bring Us Home. And this morning, I have the privilege really to conclude the series. And I'm going to do that by focusing this morning on a particular aspect of holiness. Holiness, which really is the key idea to the book of Leviticus. And, and it's connected and related to the character of God, the essence of God, and which therefore gives rise to the central command in the book, which is repeated some six times. And of course, that command is, be holy because I'm holy. Be holy because I'm holy. Be holy because I'm holy six times. It's central to not only Leviticus, but also the whole Old Testament. Interestingly, when we come to the New Testament, we see that it's central as well. Yes, we're saved by grace, but we are to live and lead holy lives. The Apostle Peter, he picks up this central command in Leviticus when he says to Christians everywhere, the Christians who are scattered abroad, he says in his first epistle in verse 14 of chapter 1, He says, as obedient children, meaning now that we have been brought back home to God through trust in the Son of God, as obedient children, he says, be holy, listen, in all your conduct. That's a command. That's an exhortation. Be holy in all your conduct. Now, question, what's included in the all? Everything. What you do with your time, money, how you... Relate to people, the way you work, the way you study, every part of our lives is to be holy unto the Lord, dedicated to Christ, laid at his loving feet, every part of our lives. And, and then to uh, give some biblical authority, Old Testament authority to his exhortation, what does he do? Where he dips straight into Leviticus and says, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. And so this morning, according to the Apostle Peter, our Christian lives are to be characterized by what characterizes our Heavenly Father, namely holistic holiness, holistic holiness. And this morning, we're not really going to get into what holiness is and isn't because Karen Pack did that so well last week for us. It was a great sermon, except just one point, the whole Tim Keller thing that she mentioned. I was just like, where is Karen, by the way, this morning? Ah, I was on the cruise. I was really looking forward to kind of just, you know. Anyhow, this sermon doesn't have a Tim Keller quote, just in case you're wondering. So it's going to be, you know, a half-baked sermon. All right. This morning, we're not going to be thinking about what holiness is and what it isn't. But just as importantly, we're going to be thinking about motivations for holiness. Motivations, incentives, reasons for obeying God wholeheartedly. Heartedly. So that's where we're going to head in this message. Let me pray, then we'll jump straight into it. Father, you are holy, and we come to you with confidence, but not cockiness. You are holy, holy, holy. And Lord God, we come to you through your Holy Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, would you anoint this message? I pray this message would be more than knowledge, but Lord, revelation that grips our hearts, that causes gospel transformation, Lord. 
so that we would live and lead holy lives, oh God, in this world. And so, Lord God, bless us, Lord, as we sit under your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the question on the table this morning is, why should we be holy? That's the question. Why should we be holy? Some people will answer that question by saying something like, well, we just should. We should be holy. God commands us to be holy, be holy because I am holy and that's good enough for me. And that's a good place to start. But interestingly, when we come to the New Testament, God is super keen to help us as his people understand why we should obey him. He gives us stacks of motivations in the New Testament and we're going to look at some this morning. One New Testament scholar by the name of Wayne Gruden, maybe you've heard of that name, he's a New Testament scholar, he wrote some time ago a little article entitled, Motives for Obedience in the Christian Life. And in the article, he lists 13 motivations for why we should obey God, 13 motivations drawn from various parts of the New Testament. And so this morning, we're going to look at eight of those 13 motivations, okay? So the question on the table is... You're following? That's good. Well, for these eight reasons, are you ready? Number one, we should obey God. And by the way, we're going to know this first one because we try and preach this every single time here at PCC. We should obey God because we love Him and desire to please Him. You, you've probably heard of this saying, the proof is in the pudding, all right? or the proof is in the eating. Well, related to Christianity, we prove that we love Jesus through obeying Him. The proof is in obeying. Jesus says, John 14, 15, He says, if you love me, we, we can finish the quote, right? We will keep his commandments. That is, we will obey him. We won't fudge. We won't pickle mix. We won't choose the things that we like and just leave out the things we don't know. It's holistic. We'll, we'll obey him wholeheartedly. And then in verse 21 of the same chapter, Jesus basically says the same thing, but this time he reverses the order and says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, that is, obeys them, well, he is the one who loves me. If we love him, we demonstrate that we, uh, sorry, if we obey him, we demonstrate that we truly love him. But if we don't obey him, what does that show? Implication, we don't really love him. We don't really love him. That's, that's, that's challenging, but this is really the essence of Christianity. Having our hearts melted by Christ's sacrificial love for us, which inspires loving obedience to him. That's Christianity, not obeying for acceptance. I've said this so many times, but obeying from acceptance. That's the difference between Christianity and dry, dusty, dead-end religion. We obey, we obey. And in our obedience, we demonstrate and we exhibit the fact that we truly love Christ. And so this is the ultimate gospel, gospel uh, motivation for why we should obey, because we love him. And, and I'm pretty sure most of us know this, right? We know this. This is not new to us. But beyond this particular motivation, we begin to scratch our heads. We're like, okay, well, I know that motivation. We should obey because we love him, but... I couldn't tell you, Lewis, uh, why else I should obey him. Other reasons, other New Testament incentives. Well, the good news is I've got seven more here to go through. So here's the second one. We should obey him, listen, in order to keep a clear conscience before him. 
We should obey God because we want a clear conscience before him. What does this mean? Well, the text first. 1 John 3, 21, 22. He says these words. Dear friends of PCC, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, he's talking about the conscience here. He's talking about the inner voice. We all know the inner voice, don't we? Yeah? You with me? Yeah, yeah. You're alive? It's a bit dark up here. It's quite sleepy up here, but anyhow. We know that inner voice. That's our hearts. He says, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and not only that, we receive from him anything we ask because, here's the reason, here's the foundation, we keep his commands and do what pleases him. This is profound. This is what John is saying. He's saying, having a clear conscience will give us confidence in the presence of God. And when we have that confidence, we're going to pray more passionately with more faith. And then we're going to receive from God because faith pleases his heart. And yet we know, don't we, when we violate our conscience, when we do something that we know is wrong, we don't have confidence in the presence of God. We, we might find ourselves in the presence of God, but we kind of drag ourselves into the presence of God. And we're not too sure and certain that he actually hears us when we pray. Who knows what I'm talking about? And so this is why it's so key and so important to obey God, keep his commands, do what pleases him, says John. Because in doing that, we will have a clear conscience and we'll come with boldness and certainty and confidence into the presence of God when we pray. To, to, to kind of give you some practical things of how to maintain a clear conscience, the Apostle Paul kind of um, applies this and he says in Romans 13 verse 5, he says, you know, we are to surrender ourselves, submit ourselves to the authorities. And there he's talking about government. And so apply to our context, Australian government, since we are Australian citizens, we abide by the rules, right, the laws. He says there that we are to do that not only through fear of being slapped on the wrist, but as, quote, a matter of conscience. This is what he's saying. He's saying the reason why we Australian citizens, Christians, don't fudge our tax returns is because we want a clear conscience before God when we come to him in prayer. The reason why we don't violate and break copyright laws, right? Some of you are hiding now. Huh? is because we want a clear conscience before God. The reason why we choose, listen to me, not to touch our mobile phones while sitting at the traffic lights is because we want a clear conscience before Almighty God. Why? Because he's above all, isn't he? And we, we want to honor him. We want to please him. We want a clear conscience before him, which will issue in confidence in his presence when we come to pray. So the way to gain confidence is by having a clear conscience, a massive motivation for obedience, wholehearted obedience. Number three. We should obey God because we desire, this is huge, to see unbelievers come to Christ through observing our lives. People have got to see gospel transformation being worked out in our lives. But gospel transformation is only going to happen when we obey Jesus. There will be no gospel transformation if we disobey 
Only when we obey. The text, 1 Peter 2.12, Peter says, live such good lives, these obedient lives, holy lives, among the pagans, that's unbelievers, that, here's the reason, here's the purpose clause, they may, though they may accuse you of doing wrong, that is, at first, they may see, they may observe your good deeds and do what? Glorify God on the day he visits us. One, one commentator on this passage, Karen Job, she says this, when Christians do good deeds, unbelievers understand better the transforming grace of the gospel. That, that should concern us. Uh, that should make us want to obey, do good deeds, so that people see the, the work of grace in our lives. She goes on to say, the winsome witness of Christians may influence, and often does, unbelievers to repent and believe. Do you know that the reason why the Roman Empire was turned upside down was because of this? It was because of this. Christians taking serious the command of God to love your enemy, and they did that. They served Rome's poor. They went out of their way to be kind and generous, and they served their community. And so many people observed that gospel transformation, and they were drawn to Jesus Christ. And it needs to be true of us too. People will be drawn to Christ through the observation of gospel transformation as we obey Jesus Christ. But there won't be that transformation if we choose not to obey. And so this is a massive, huge incentive for wholehearted devotion and obedience to Christ. Number four, are you finding these helpful, by the way? I'm finding them helpful as I preach them. I'm being convinced myself. We should, number four, obey God because we desire a deeper walk with him. Who doesn't want a deeper walk with Christ? We've all got our hands down because that's a stupid question. We, we all want a deeper walk with God. We all want to experience more of him. Listen to what John tells us. 1 John 3, 24, he says, Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. Do you hear that? What can be more wonderful than that? Profound than that? Abiding in God, knowing that you know that you know God is in you and you are in him. This depth, this intimacy, this profound relationship with him as you walk with him. Nothing is more important than that and wonderful and staggering. That's that. And it comes about how? By keeping his commandments, keeping his word, obeying him wholeheartedly. Listen, show me the Christian who truly knows God, that is experientially, and I will show you a Christian who is more concerned with internal purification than he is with external beautification. Our, our culture is absolutely fascinated and taken up with external, external beautification, right? Got to be tucked, got to be tanned, got to be tight, right? And yet we as believers... Charles, what was that? That was, a, that was like a hum. Was that a, a hum? Yeah, I want to be tanned and tucked. Is that what it? <laughs> you got to be careful, Charles. Every time you mention something, do something, I'm always going to pick on you in sermons. But we as believers, we need to be more concerned with internal purification, holiness of heart. Why? Because we want a deeper walk with our Savior, right? It says in uh, Acts chapter 5 that he gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. 
when we obey him, when we walk in his ways, we'll experience more of the Holy Spirit, which, which will issue in a deeper, profound walk with our God and Savior. What a profound motivation. Number five, we should obey God because we <laughs> desire to avoid God's displeasure and discipline. Contrary to what some Christians think and contrary to what some Christian teachers say, we can actually displease God. I remember having a conversation with a pretty well-known Christian teacher who travels around Australia and New Zealand, and he's a great guy. He's really blessed me. He's a true, honest, wonderful brother. And yet I was having a conversation with him about this very thing. And he said to me, Lewis, Christ always obeyed God. Is that true? He did. He was without sin. And then he said to me, and since we are in Christ through faith, that means that we, because we're in the one who always pleased God, can never displease God. That's what he said. Now, is that true? No, it's not. That goes beyond Scripture. You know, there, there is a movement alive in the church, you know, today called the Grace Revolution. You may have heard of the movement. Uh, its critics, of which I'm one call it hyper-grace, the hyper-grace movement, and we haven't got time to get into it here, but essentially, basically, what they say is that we as Christians can't displease God because we're in the one who only and always pleased God, namely Christ. And yet we know that from Scripture, that's not true, because Ephesians 4.30 and other places we read in this text, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. What's another term for grieve? Displease, offend. And you see, look, here's, here's the caution, here's the warning. If we constantly grieve the Holy Spirit, we may end up quenching him in our hearts, which means that we will sense the withdrawal of God's presence. Not the withdrawal of salvation. I didn't say that. You may have thought that, but I didn't say that. The withdrawal of his blessing, the withdrawal of his presence, where we don't sense that he's close, but rather we sense that he's distant. And often it's because of disobedience. And so if that's you this morning, pastorally, I just want to say to you, take that thing to the Lord in prayer. Go to him in prayer and say, Father, I'm experiencing this distance and I don't know why. Is it, is it because I have disobeyed you? Am I, am I displeasing you in one particular area or a couple of areas in my life? And you know what? He is your heavenly father. He is our heavenly father. He, he's not pleased with that separation. He's not pleased with that withdrawal, but he is holy. And he will allow that, uh, allow you to experience that withdrawal as an act of discipline so that you are made aware, oh, I think I'll, I'll go back to God and I'll repent and I'll turn to him. He, he will show you what's displeasing him. That, that's the good news. That's the profound news. And so if that's you, please, please do that. And so that's, that's the, the fifth motivation. We, we don't want to displease God. We want to avoid his displeasure. And so we ought to obey him. Number six, we should obey God because obedience is best for us. Amen. It's, it's best for us. God's commands are good. They're good. They're not bad for us. God's commands will always promote life. They don't strangle life, restrict life. We will save ourselves much misery, pain, and harm if we would only obey God. Pay attention to his voice. Listen to him. It's, it's a little like um, when I change Maddie. Uh, my, my, she's almost two, my third daughter. 
And often, you know, I've, I'm given the responsibility. I, I quite, I not enjoy, I was going to say enjoy, but that's an overstatement. I don't mind. I don't mind changing her nappy. And she's on the change table. And sometimes, you know, she's in a bit of a playful mood. And I've got to look at her in the eye and say, no squirming. Right, especially when it's a number two, uh, especially then. So no wriggling. You, you listen to daddy's voice. And sometimes she gives me, you know, that look and she just wants to be playful. And she kind of, you know, her fingers go places where they shouldn't go. And because I'm not as efficient as Natalie, she just goes whip, 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 and it's done. But I'm a clumsy dad. And so there's legs everywhere and there's poo everywhere. So there's wipes everywhere. It's just messy. Why? Because she hadn't listened to my voice. Listen to me. And sometimes I go, psh, 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 on the backside, you, she, she listens. Well, it's, it's the, <laughs> I, yeah, I won't go there. <laughs> Ask Nat. <laughs> it can be the same in our Christian lives. Our lives will be more messy when we don't obey God, when we don't listen to him, you know, when we, we kind of squirm. And we're disobedient. I don't do that. And I know this is what I ought to do, but I'm not going to do it. And it's always going to end poorly. You know, it's not going to end well for us. And he will have to sometimes, you know, give us the discipline so that we actually pay attention to his voice. Obeying God is best for us. The classic text, we all know it, Romans 2, uh, 12, 1 and 2, you know, give your lives as living sacrifice, your bodies to him in, in light of his mercy. We give ourselves to him. And what happens when we do? Well, he tells us in verse 2, then he says, after giving ourselves to him wholeheartedly, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And what is his will? What is his command? Well, it's good. It's always going to be good, pleasing and perfect. You see, what, what Paul is saying is that the more you obey God, the, the, the deeper your conviction will be that his commands are good for you. That's what he's saying. And so through obedience, we realize more strongly in our obedience that his will is good, perfect, pleasing. What a motivation to obey God, because obedience is always going to be best for us. By the way, I'll just throw this in. It's not in my notes. I didn't mention this in the first service. That doesn't mean, by the way, that life will be more comfortable. In fact, obeying God will likely mean that your life will become more uncomfortable. When, when you, who, obeyed Je- uh, who obeyed God? I just gave it away. Who obeyed God the most? Jesus. Sunday school answer, right? And people were drawn to him, including enemies, including much hostility. And so when we obey God, it doesn't mean that it's going to go well for us in that sense. Oh, it'll always be well with my soul because of God. He'll be pleased. But that may mean, you know, standing up for righteousness in the workplace or whatever it may be. And you might be ostracized and you may be kind of um, judged for that. But that's okay. You've got the smile of the Father, and that's all that matters. Number seven, we should obey God because this increases, obedience increases our assurance of salvation. I want to be assured that I am God's, that I am his child, that heaven is my home. We've been thinking about to bring us home. I want to be assured of that. And and how does that come about? Through obedience. Listen to Peter again in his second epistle, chapter 1, verse 10. He says, make every effort. There's not a hint of laziness in that. Make every effort to do what? To confirm your calling and election. In other words, increase the assurance of your salvation. 
How? Well, he tells us by obeying God, verses 5 and 7. He says, make every effort again. Not a hint of laziness there either. To add to your faith, this saving faith, this faith that has justified you, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Again, show me the Christian who has an unshakable assurance, and I will show you a Christian who is Christ-like, growing in Christ-likeness because they're obeying Christ. Hmm? We all want to be assured that we are heading home. We don't want to dither. We don't want to second guess. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me. We don't want that. We want to be assured. We want to be certain that we are his. And that comes about through growing in Christ-likeness, which will only happen when we obey Jesus. Number eight, finally. We should obey God because obedience, I like this, foreshadows the kind of life we will live in heaven. It foreshadows it, the type of life we're going to live forever in glory. Again, Peter, towards the end of his life, he's, he's about to be executed by Nero. And he writes in chapter 3 of his second epistle, verses 13 and 14. He says, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. Where what? Where righteousness dwells. Where holistic holiness will constantly be exhibited every moment of every day for all eternity. Where wholehearted obedience to God will be our pleasure and delight. This home of righteousness. And then what does he tell us? He says, so then. Dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, this home of righteousness where righteousness will do, make every effort to be found spotless. Again, notice, make every effort. So just sit on your hands, play church, play Christianity. No, make every effort to be spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Wayne Grudem says this. If we obey God's commandments to us today, then we are living something of a heavenly life right now. Experiencing a bit of the joy that will be fully ours in the age to come. Obeying God genuinely in this life displays that we are destined to live with God in the next life. True? In the language of our series, you know, to bring us home, by, by being holistic in holiness, we, we show that we are destined for home, God's home. And we, we show as well through our holiness that we are longing for the full realization of home when Christ returns. Massive reasons, incentives for obedience because our obedience foreshadows the kind of life we will live in glory. So what's the implication? What's the application? It's this, be holy because I am holy. That's what it is. Hebrews 12, 14, it says what? It says, strive for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Are we taking this seriously? Jesus, blessed be the pure in heart. Why? Because they will see God. They will see God. They will experience him like they never experienced him on planet earth. We'll finally see him. This is the great climax of scripture, the great climax of God's uh, plan of salvation, where we will see him face to face. But notice, it's only the pure in heart who will see him. 
those who, yes, are saved, yes, accepted, but then obey him from that place of acceptance, striving for holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. And so I will finish how I started. As obedient children, as a be, be holy in all your conduct. Take no prisoners. It, it, John Owen, the great Puritan, he said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. For it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Let's stand up. Let's just spend a moment reflecting these motivations, these reasons for why we should obey God. Lord God, I pray that we would obey you to show that we truly love you and your son, that we will, Lord God, obey you because we do want a clear conscience before you. We don't want hearts that condemn us in your presence. We want to be confident, Lord God, in your presence. Lord God, we want to obey you because we know that gospel transformation will all uh, attract people to Christ. Lord God, we want to obey you because we want a deeper walk with you. Father, we want to obey you because, Lord God, we want to avoid your displeasure. We want to obey you, Lord God, because obedience will be best for us, is best for us. Lord God, we want to obey you wholeheartedly, Lord, because we want an increased measure of salvation, Lord God. We want to have more assurance of our salvation. And Father God, we want to obey you because we know, Lord God, obedience foreshadows the kind of life we'll live with you forever in glory on the new earth. And so, Lord God, would you help your people, help us, Lord God, be absolutely ruthless with sin. Lord, if our eye caused us to sin, I pray, give us the ability to eradicate it, get rid of it, to chop off that arm that caused us to sin, to, to take it seriously, Lord, for, because you do. And I pray, Lord God, that uh, you would so fill us afresh with your spirit, your Holy Spirit, so that we would be holy unto you. Father God, thank you. Thank you, Lord God. Just, just take a moment just to pray, just to commune. Something that may have, you know, has challenged you or prompted you. Just, just spend a time quietly in the presence of your Father just to pray.